All right. Well, welcome back to the show. Uh, I realize that this is episode 52 of The Big Ticket Life. So I think that's pretty cool. There's most podcasts, uh, my amazing producer and production team at Cast Ahead, uh, Chris Stelt and his team, they've shared with me most podcasts don't hit seven episodes. And here we are at 52. So thank you to my guests. Michelle, is not awesome? That is um, all, totally awesome. I'm super excited yeah, about it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't be able to do it without my team at Cast Ahead. And when Cast Ahead put, uh, who's now handling my guest bookings, when they put Michelle in front of me, it's like, all right, she does CRM stuff, marketing, gets marketing, knows infusions off like a back of her hand. Um, in, in, in the things that came across my desk, I'm like, check, 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 check. Let's get Michelle on. So, Michelle, welcome to the show. Well, thank Thanks you for, for having us. me. Like you said, I'm yeah. super excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I said in my intro, and I feel maybe as a host, I've I've been a bad host. I've kind of strayed away at times from some of the focus of the show, but that's because the guests that come on are dynamic, and I want to have them share their story, and I can kind of bring that out through our talk. But one of the things that I believe in, the people I work with, I think there's a lot of greatness that comes from and and business stability, business strength, and intrinsic and and realized value comes from having complex systems, but they're shown to be so simple. And I think that's where good use of tools like CRMs. It doesn't. This is not going to be a talk about Infusionsoft. For the love of God, we're not going there, right? Right, Michelle. And yet it will be. <laughs> right. All good. Right. Yeah. But. You know, so I think when you look at as complex of a solution as something like Infusionsoft or any other CRM or any other business software tool you might use can be or is, uh, there's greatness in making it work simply. We're front-facing people, interacting with clients, customers, patients, whoever, interacting with other tools like your website, your commerce checkout, your shopping cart, your point of sale. When it's all put together and works simply, I think that's pretty beautiful. Um, so let's have you jump in on that point and kind of share your thoughts around that. Absolutely. Well, I think there, when I'm coaching somebody, it's all about the simplicity and the ease of execution. And when you can look at your business and you hone in on what, it, what is it that we want to accomplish in the end? Do we want to have a complex business system or do we really just, you know, I just want 10 clients, pay me 10 grand a month. And I am done. Like, that's my, <laughs> I just want the lifestyle. I want to be traveling when I want. I want to work 10 hours right. a week. That's it. But if you're especially kind of crazy like me and you go, no, I want to have 50 employees. I just want to have clients all over the world. Well, then you need to have complex systems that can handle that. And I don't mean complex as in the kind of system that I initially created for my business, which I lovingly call Frankenware. And it was basically, I need a software to do this and software to do that, software to do this. And poor Frank was losing an eye and a limb and trying to hold them together. I happen to be fortunate enough that I have a partner in business and pleasure, as we like to say, who loves IT projects. He loves software. And I said, like, I don't have the wherewithal to take care of this. Can you take care of it? He goes, there's got to be an easier way to do this. He found Infusionsoft or what's now Keep. I went, do you mind if I use that? I said, you can do whatever you want. For him, the clouds parted, the angels sang. And he's in his happy place with a beer and infusion soft. Like, <laughs> it couldn't get more simplistic than that. And it's yep. just because it 
it makes things for the backend people so much easier when you have data integration, when you don't have dirty data. I love saying that, by the way. And uh, yeah, it's just it's fun to be able to watch them play it like the Stradivarius that it is. And a lot of people get confused by it by, because they're not, they're playing in places in the software that they just shouldn't be. I should not be creating my own campaigns and or setting up affiliate links or any of that stuff. And I don't. Yep. I just ask somebody to do it. It gets done. And that is kind of the simple business that we want to have happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, for a business owner, I mean, I would think anybody who's gravitated towards this show, who follows this show, tunes in, I would guess the Venn diagram of people who want to jump into like operating the Stradivarius system of whatever software they choose versus just profiting from it and having a better, more organized business life from it. That Venn diagram doesn't collide for my listeners. Like they're, they're the beer in the background managing the data. So it doesn't turn dirty. I love that term, dirty data. Uh, so we'll get to making what the show title of this episode was making sense of online marketing. But I think this is a great way to start because we got to have a foundation of things. You, so dirty data. What's that all about? <laughs> well, dirty data happens when. You have systems that need to talk to each other, but they don't. So you might have manual processing. You might have your accounting software doing one thing and somebody has to export that list, put it into your purchasing software and, and apply it there so mm -hmm. that you have all the information somebody needs to be able to access it. As soon as you're doing things manually, as soon as you're, no offense if you're zapping things together, as soon as you're putting something in the middle in order to try and have a cohesive program you probably don't. And it's to no fault of your own, but it usually happens when people have typos. They haven't spelled something properly. They give you a false address. Uh, there's multiple addresses for a single person, or there's one email address for multiple people. It just depends on the systems that you have and how you run your business. Hospitality is going to have certain issues. Plumbing companies are going to have different issues. It, it depends on kind of what you have and where you do it. But as soon as you start getting false information, uh, that can be a problem. And trying to straighten it all out becomes an even bigger problem. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I've, I've recently spoken to an organization, really large uh, sales mastermind type organization that um, has each front-facing salesperson creating their own tags. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> Michelle's oh. like, that O had some weight to it. It like it had some heft. No, that is a really expensive business strategy. Just saying. Yeah, and just on the tags I mean, alone, it's, <laughs> it's a really expensive business decision. And, and I well, don't think that the it, poor uh, these poor entrepreneurs like if if tech's not your thing. You're just like, well, why not? It makes it easier for them. We don't have to have all these stupid SOPs. Nobody has to be riding their butt for it. It, On one level, it totally makes sense why you would do it that way. But knowing what we know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just, offered, I just offered some insights from my basis of knowledge. And, and that's, that's as far as it went because I'm not that solution provider. Uh, you and your company are those kinds of people. So maybe there's a referral there down the road. We'll see where they go. But um, but the one thing that I, I'll, I'll say as we kind of wrap up this year, I've been remiss as the host of 
sharing out all the greatness that my guests want to give listeners. So I'm just going to go right to the chase now because it's right top of my mind. Michelle, if you like what she shared so far and will continue to share, we're only at about 20% of into our show, 25% in. But she's got something for you, a free website audit, $497 value, 40-page report about a website that actually works right and monetizes for you. So it's not just like this big digital business card. Go to awaretostrategies.com slash website dash audit. And maybe producer Chris can throw that in the comments. So it's real easy, clickable for you. But if you're listening on audio, see, now I'm checking the boxes of good podcasting. Hey, hey, right? hey, look at you go. So if, look at so you being coachable. Yeah, because we do this in video and audio. If you're an audio person following, that's awarenessstrategies.com slash website dash audit. So um, on that note of you know tools and how do you choose, I want to give a little analogy about the right tool and the right place and the right moment. And I think so many people lose sight of what their outcome is. So the little analogy, and maybe maybe my microphone picked it up, maybe not. I'm a truck guy. I'm kind of like a closet redneck. Um, not afraid to say it. Nice. My son just left the house. So maybe the, the rumble from his 1995 Cherry F-150, the, the truck that I love, that I'm just trying to pass off my 2019 to him uh, so I can drive it, rumbled off. And we, were, we work on it. We do some maintenance. We do some more advanced repairs together. I have some knowledge there and he, he enjoys it with me. It's a good time together. Um, the tra- the rear transmission output seal started leaking, had to be repaired. It sounds complicated. It's actually a very simple repair until, uh, you realize that the prior owner loved something called gasket seal and on something that didn't need it because as time goes on, that seal expands with heat and that re- it locks in place as it is, but the heat expansion of it keeps it in place. Analogously to choosing the right tool. We fixed that. I had to beat the snot out of this old leaky seal with a hammer and a screwdriver. My son's eyeballs are flying out of his head. He's thinking I'm breaking his truck, that he's not going to be able to go out with his friends that night. I'm like, I got it. We go to put the new one in. Now, I knew the outcome. I knew we had to push it in, hammer it in, flush. That was the outcome I needed. The tool wasn't apparent right in front of me, but I found at the parts store an exhaust pipe reduction piece that fit the dimensions of the seal perfectly. So I knew the outcome, right? Mm-hmm. And I was able to find that tool because I knew what the outcome needed to be. Tap, 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 in flash, fine. 15 minutes later, he's out the door with his friends. So I think we'll get to the marketing part of our time together, but I want you to share how do people, what's your recommendation? So somebody wants, all right, like I get, I need systems. I get complexity. I get it builds value in my business. I get the pain oh. of bringing it all in. <laughs> yep. Go ahead. I was going to say on, on the analogy, and I'm going to stick to it because you may appreciate this immensely. So, uh, we have a snowblower. I live in Canada. Mm-hmm. We have a snowblower and it wasn't working. It was a hand me down from Brad's dad and. You said he was just going to throw it out because it didn't work. And I said, well, if we're going to throw it out because it doesn't work, do you mind if I go in there and start playing with it? And can we take apart the carburetor and just see whether or not we can clean it up and see what happens? So we, we, I say we, he <laughs> took off the carburetor, pulls it apart. 
I start cleaning this. I'm, I'm, I'm like, should this be dirty? This looks really full. I, I think we need to clean this. And I'm feeling very girly going, oh my God, I'm cleaning shit. Like, really? Am I cleaning this? So I'm playing with it. And he's helping me put it together. We put it back together and it works. And I'm super stoked. I'm like, yeah, I get to go some more. And the analogy here is I could, you know, well, the story's not finished yet. So Brad thinks that we should just go and buy a new carburetor because now this thing clearly works. If it had a new carburetor, it'd be fine. I'm thinking they're about 250 bucks. He goes and looks, 23 bucks. It's brand new carburetor, pops it on. Thing works like a charm. Lovely. So if you look at your business this way, we spent oh, the good part of eight hours working on this thing. Both of us mm-hmm. bill out at about $500 an hour for a $23 piece. <laughs> On yep. a piece of that is about, yep. mm, I don't know, 15, 20 year old. So we could have bought a new one for like a thousand dollars that was working charmingly well. <laughs> this one, like yeah, all of that, the- if it was a business decision, is an epic waste of time, money, effort, skill set. I mean, was it fun? Yeah, yep. it was fun. And does it give me a good story? And do people go, wow, you took part of Carburetor? Uh, wow, look at me go. Right. But from a business decision, it's a brutal one. If we had a landscaping business, there's no way in hell I would waste that much time on that, doing that thing. And that's, I think, the problem that people get into is they're they're worried about the dollars and cents. And I totally get that. I'm a business owner. I have been since I was 23 years old. I know how to put a company down faster than most people do. It's not a good skill. Trust me. Uh, But it is a valuable skill in knowing what mistakes not to make and not to make quickly. And then there's how do you build a million dollar company? How do you build a $10 million company? How do you build a $23 million company? And looking at the efficiencies of what is the end game here? Does this make sense financially? Does this make sense from an input perspective? And sometimes it makes more sense to spend a bit more money up front in order to get a long-term payoff in the back. And those are the kind of decisions you want to be making, not does my staff like playing in the software? Like, no offense, right. but nobody cares whether or not your admin likes the software that they're using. That's not their decision. <laughs> it needs to be a right. business decision that is, right. what's my profitability? What are my expenses? Where is this going to get me in the end? And will it get me to where I want to go? Because I've worked with companies that are, you know, 25, $100 million companies, and they're making decisions on what software they're going to use based on who uses it. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're 100% right. And you, if you're listening to this, I want to drive home the point. You know, Michelle and Brad, you're your husband, correct? That's what I'm understanding. Yes. So (laughs) you're both billed 500 bucks an hour, eight hours it took you on this job. You're there together. It's eight grand. You could have bought eight snowblowers for a thousand bucks. We could have started a landscaping company. You threw, you threw, right. You you could have bought a little trailer to put on your vehicle, uh, a (laughs) snowblower, uh, some good shovels and wheelbarrows, et cetera. Yeah. You could have been in the game, but don't lose sight of that lesson. Like you'll never get to that million dollar company. I understand. And you're, you're sharing that empathy that, you know, right now, you know, you have to be that clean the carburetor person, but don't lose sight of the fact that you can't go and waste $8,000 of your value to affect business for a $23 part. Cause if you do that five days a week, seven days a week, four weeks a month, 12 months a year, you're never going to get to the big dream that you want. Of a million bucks exactly. or 10 million bucks or whatever that number is. Um, so yeah, I mean, I do like, you know, I do what I do with my son for the time. 
for the connection, there. for the memory. Now, if we're looking at the time spent together, it was an awesome right. experience with awesome story. Right. And I'm sure if I had started a landscaping company with a bunch of snowblowers with carburetors in them, I would have been a lot faster at taking them apart and cleaning them thereafter, <laughs> which may, yeah. have, may yeah. not have saved me money or may have, may not allowed me to be able to delegate thereafter. Uh, but yeah. 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 For me, um, for me, it's, it's about the time with my son because, you know, honestly, I wasn't living early on in my business life. I wasn't living the big ticket life where I put family first. I, you know, especially my oldest boy, I missed a lot of those first and, and I'm making up for that now in, in as many ways as I can. Uh, so it's, it's about that time. And, and I should be the last person bending down, crawling under vehicles because my body's decrepit. Next, you, you know, you'll see if as a follower of the show, you'll see in January, we'll have a couple shows pre-recorded because I'm having some pretty major surgery on my left leg. So um, I have no business crawling around on the ground on trucks and fixing them. No, not at all. But I do it for my son. But the point of all that, the point of Michelle's $23 carburetor and, and learning how to clean one and put it all back together and the point of me banging away on my son's truck, scaring the crap out of him, but getting him fixed up is you need to understand what the outcome is of the goal. Like what, what, what does it look like? And you as the owner have to under, have clarity. Uh, you know, Michelle, you said you're, you know, you can take feedback, you can take input in from your team about how they work, how they dovetail into the tool, but ultimately it's your decision. You need to have that clarity on what the outcome is, what the milestones are. So I'd like you to expand on that. Like you, you work with a lot of people, obviously you're an Infusionsoft partner, but you can bring in a lot of different solutions to people. Um, but talk about how to pick those tools, like some of your insights that you've, that you've seen. And then we'll get to the marketing talk, which I can't wait for. <laughs> yeah. 15 minutes from the end, <laughs> we'll talk about the marketing. We are talking no, about the marketing, and I minutes. think that's the important to, thing to understand yeah. is that when it comes to digital marketing, it's not just about, you know, who our ideal client is and what kind of opt-ins they want to have and what kind of content are we going to put out to them. It's looking at it from a business perspective of how do I want to run this company? So going back to my initial, if you just want 10 clients at 10 grand a year, you're perfectly happy living the, that laptop lifestyle. That is awesome. And then yeah. there is, if you have a manufacturing company, if you have a plumbing company with 15 trucks, if you have you know, a company that has a certain level of complexity to it, and how do you want that to grow? And it could be that you just want to compete with the Joneses, which is fine, or the Kardashians, whichever. That is totally cool. You can do that. And understanding what that big picture is, how do you, how are you going to implement that in the most efficient way prof possible so that you're ending up with the most profitable business? Because there's there's paying your staff well to do the job well, which is fantastic. And then there's things that just simply waste time, money, and effort. Going back to it, the the inefficiencies of the systems. So having four different pieces of software that could be done in one system, it could be the way that the information travels from one person to the other, or how does one person access the information that they need without having too much access to too much data? And all of this comes right. back to having somebody that understands software and IT and advising you, not just selling you something. So the bane of my existence in the marketing industry right now is people are selling things, one, that doesn't really exist, two, that they're working on and it'll be done soon after you make payments so that they can pay their um, staff, development teams. I get. <laughs> I yeah. get, but know that you're somebody who's experiment 
if that's the way you choose to run your business. And they're selling you a product and it may or may not function the way you think it does based on their answers. So my number one rule for people is ask more questions than you spend money. Because asking mm-hmm. more questions and finding out enough information so that you can make an educated decision is far more important than the sale in the end. And if to them, the sale in the end is the most important thing. Yep. That's the way I see it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would add to that about asking more questions then you spend money. And then this could be choosing a, a marketing tool to help power and be the foundation of your business. You know, this could be choosing brand partners or vendors, whatever. Um, lay out on paper, whiteboard, you know, mind map software. I'm, I'm a paper pencil kind of guy. I got, I got two right here and I got one right here in the notebook that I haven't ripped out yet. Um, uh, I shared with Michelle earlier today, I was at a deposition for uh, a vehicle that I own. And, and everybody's on laptops and computers and I've got the printouts in front of me because I just, swim where my mind goes. Uh, but map it out, whatever media you choose, whiteboard, paper, whatever. Map out what that journey's like. Map out what, what, what you envision with the new vendor partner, with the, the new software partner, with the new advertiser. You know, map that out. Be clear on what your goals are because that outcome's going to matter when you are investing that money in the company. And if you can't get to that outcome, now it's just a waste. And, and there's one thing I don't like is waste, um, you know, at all. When I, when I host events, I don't host really many anymore, but I used to host more. We would get the hotel room and they had the snack, you know, the snack baskets out and the sodas out. And, you know, they billed us for all of them. I took them. I don't need free Cokes, but I paid for those Cokes. <laughs> I took them. And I'm not ashamed to admit it. So same with the granola bars and the cookies and all that stuff. I hate waste. And waste happens when you don't plan that outcome, when you don't plan that journey for success with whoever you're interfacing with. Um, I think that's a real, real salient point for people to take away. So, Michelle, where do people get twisted up with marketing? Between online, offline, what is marketing? What's advertising? Set the table. I think the biggest thing first off is to understand that there is a difference in face-to-face marketing than there is in digital marketing. Face-to-face marketing, I can say I help people build houses and they'll go, oh, cool. What do you mean by that? What's a house? And, and it's a very generalized conversation that we're having and I can hone in. I can ask them questions of, you know, have you ever built your own house before? Do you, do you buy? Do you rent? And I can hone in my conversation to them according to where they're at. In the digital world, I have to start with the problem that they have and intrigue them to find out more and more and more until they find out that I build houses or whatever the case might be. So it's a a different angle with which you look at the conversation from the get-go. The myriad of mistakes that people make in marketing itself tends to be either old school marketing things that they learned, you know, 40 years ago from something where it was all about the brand. It was all about the thing and they wanted Mm. the novelty of the thing. Now that can still work for companies that have a brand, things like Lamborghini, Rolex, (laughs) you can still have those and it works just fine. 
But for the most part, even if you're the Kardashians, you've got to build up that excitement. You've got to build up the intrigue of what is it that people want and how do you help solve those problems for you? And they actually do it phenomenally well. There's another mistake that people make is what I like to call mirror marketing. And it's, I'm putting out there what I think I would want if I was (laughs) buying my product. And for the most part, people like you aren't buying your product. For the most part, they'll either have different spending habits, they'll have different, they'll be in a different age group, they'll have a different understanding of whether it's technology. And, you know, even though they're in a high tech world, they still have a lot of paper <laughs> taking notes. I'm, I'm surrounded by tech right now and I got paper in front of me. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's, it's knowing these little nuances about your audience that makes a huge difference when it comes to the digital world and being able to get them in the right place. And there's a big word in marketing right now, which is hyper-personalization. And it basically means that I want to know what's going on for me. I'm going to solve my problems. So if we were to go to a t-shirt shop and get black t-shirts, great, we might be able to hone in on that. But if we were at a hair salon, I'm probably going to look for different hair products than you are, or I'm going to look for a different way of getting my hair cut. So I'm looking for haircuts for me as opposed to if I'm looking for haircuts for you, I'm going to do a different search. And that becomes very pertinent in what you sell and how you sell it. So it's not that you have to only have one uh, kind of niche client or avatar, but you have to have messages that hone in on that specific avatar that meet their needs in that moment, which is um, an interesting conundrum that we're coming up to. Somebody put it the most interesting way. It was once upon a time, if you wanted to buy a Ford, you could buy any color you wanted as long as it was black. black. Now you can get any color on the planet. Some of them, you know, have just been invented a week ago and you can still get your car colored in that color and you can have the stereo equipment, the sunroof, the, the everything. So you, it's, there's so many options that you have to hone in on those one thing that that one person wants. And the same thing is happening in the digital world right now with every company. Yeah. So I made a handful of notes and in folks, you, you know, I just always like to put this out every, every few episodes. You see me making notes. I'm not distracted. I'm not multitasking because I think multitasking <laughs> is love notes. not even, doesn't work, but <laughs> right, yeah, little love notes. Yeah. No, really what I, I, you know, you know, you, you dropped a Henry Ford quote on us about you can have any Ford you want so long as it's black. Uh, another Henry Ford quote is I use every part of the pig possible. So when I record these shows, I know you're not going to maybe sit down and catch a whole episode of one shot. And especially on video, I want to be a part of how people use video media today. I'm going to give you a reel. So that's what I do. I make these notes. So I just made like four really great notes related to marketing of what we just shared. And the one you hit on last one, I want to start first. Maybe we'll work back. But you really hit on specificity. Specificity yeah. of market. Um, it's and it is massive. And I think when you relate it back 40, 50 years ago to brand, um, it comes down to the fact that we can't be Coke. We can't be Lamborghini. And, you know, you've dropped Kardashians a couple of times. A lot of people like kind of laugh about that, but <laughs> that, that family's very aware of the product they're selling. They're selling themselves. And um, they are very aware and very smart people. You don't get to a billion dollars in revenue uh, across a few of the heads in the family by being dumb. You, they know exactly what they're doing and they know their very specific market. 
but specificity matters. Like for me, in my world, the, the, the clients I work with, I don't have the, the, the opt-ins and the, 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 the upsell. I specifically target certain types of businesses and I'm honed in on that. I narrow the field tremendously and I get value and create connection through this, through this kind of a media. Um, but I think specificity is so important. So many people lose sight of that where you, you know, you talked about the brand and brand awareness. No brand is built to me. Brands built one customer sale at a time, one learned interaction at a time, one mistake at a time. And you're constantly reinvesting those dollars from the sale or those pain points from what you learned. You're reinvesting back into what your brand means and who you specifically can best serve. So I Absolutely. love that you touched, touched on specificity. So when, when I'm looking at, even if you ran, say, a used car sales lot, awesome, fantastic. The issue is if I see a, a black Lincoln and I want a black Lincoln, I got to click on that, the ad or whatever it is. And I want to go to the website and I want to see black Lincoln. I don't want to see a green Honda Civic. Because as soon as I do, I'm out of there. That's not my kind of car. But same thing happens when somebody sees a green Honda Civic. They want the green Honda Civic. They don't want a yellow one. They don't want a red one. They want that one. So you have to be able to create ads that are specifically targeted and you're going through your ideal client's ideal journey to get there. The argument has been made, I think, for the last 50 years. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's this huge thing about Chevy versus Ford trucks. Oh, yeah, it's massive. Right. Like and if guys. you have a dealership like that happens to sell both, you want to walk a fine line on that or pick one and then delve into it and go, Hey, and we have your parts and we have your this and we have your that so that your audience feels the love and affection when they get there, whether it's from a, a post that you've put up to your website or to actually walking into your front doors and going, I'm home. Because as soon as they go, oh, I'm home. Then they're telling their friends, they, they know who the Ford guys are and the Chevy people. I like, they know that. It's, yep. And you want them to have those conversations. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that I turns mean, them into a raving fan it's from somebody that's never met you before and clicks on an ad to somebody that becomes your raving fan. Is that messaging? Is that, that little piece of you that comes into it? If you couldn't care less whether you do Fords or Chevys, then great. Do both and say, yep, everybody's welcome. And if you're like, hey, we could have a ton of fun with this. Let's just go hard on one or the other. Great. Go hard on it and yep. have fun with it. Well, you, you know, and that, let's expand on that example because I think you can be the, 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 the seller of both Fords and Chevys. I think you could be the place where all Ford guys go. And I think you could be the same place where all Chevy guys go. You got three. Sorry. My hands all jacked up. I, just, I don't, I just like gave a claw. This hand's been busted up so many times. <laughs> Um, oh, now you have five. I'll do it this way with this hand, three. There's in, in that dealership example, and this yeah. and this translates to somebody selling something online. It doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. Just listen to the examples. You can be the place where people buy pickup trucks. Mm -hmm. You can be the place that four guys love and rekindle all their memories of Bigfoot as they grow up. Me. Okay. That's where it began with me. Or you can be a Chevy guy and always be second. Just kidding. Um <laughs> I knew well, I had some. I don't know what Chevy guys like, but, but let's say my marketing person did. Mm -hmm. Those would be the three campaigns I would run. The three marketing assets I would create. And I'd create many assets around those three messages. Those three connections of affinity. 
you want a truck because you're the weekend warrior that is doing that landscaping side hustle. Okay. Or you're a Ford guy and you're only ever going to be a Ford guy or you're a Chevy guy, gal, and you're only going to be a Chevy guy or gal, whatever way you're going to go. But you could, you but can if you're have. a Chevy, if you're, if you're a Ford gal or you're a Chevy gal, the same thing can happen, which, which does bring us to your club five options now. Is, and then you can go to the family vehicles and then you can go to like, yeah. there's a whole lot of ways that you can take this, but be conscious of it while you're doing it because your audience is very conscious of it. Right. I mentioned this for a very specific reason. It was to evoke some emotion for people of them. Of the monitor and it worked, which is awesome. Yeah. And that's exactly yeah, no, what you want in marketing, right? Yeah. Well, and, and I would add, you know, people might be listening. Yeah. But, you know, how could a Chevy person talk to a Ford customer? Well, because now your sales process, you don't just wing it. You don't and just you let don't your team of seven. Them. Right. You don't just let seven salespeople show up today and bring in the nonsense of their morning into the day when you open up the doors at 10 a.m. Your sales process now says, when anybody's on the lot, tell me what you love about trucks. Tell me what was the first memory you have of a pickup truck. And then be quiet. Yeah, exactly. And let them talk. And, you know, if, if I were that, if I were that potential customer, I'd be like, you know, Bigfoot for me was just incredible as a kid. And that was my first love of trucks. And the smart salesperson would say, so you're a four guy. Hundred percent, and then we're down that road. Exactly, and, and then this, you know which aisle to go down. It makes uh, it way yep. easier. Yeah, and and I mean, this is where this is where marketing becomes so much more than just that one word, right? Right, because you can have a great marketing campaign. This this now goes to is it the is it the marketing that's bad or the leads that are bad? Is it the salespeople that are bad? Is it the back end support that's bad? Well, and you I have to say, have that journey mapped out. Bottleneck is always at the top of the bottle. <laughs> Don't like to admit that, but it is. <laughs> and if and if you, as the owner, right, because the owner is the only one that gets to make these choices. They are the only one that gets to decide whether or not you know we're we're turning this into a, a guy's shop, and the whole shop when you walk in is going to look like some dude's garage that we all have complete and total en envy of. Like that would make an awesome sales, you know, showroom for starters. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it would allow it you to hone in on <laughs> people. Now there's nothing saying that if you're gonna own that kind of place that your wife can't open up one across the street and have it as a, you know, the chick's place to go and do it and have, you know, pink camouflage and and hunting gear in the back, which would still be epic and awesome. Like it all depends on your personality and how you want to do it. But then it's your personality that trickles down no matter what, even if it's just kind of you know, a blue suit and a red tie, and that's how we're going to show up, and that's how everybody's going to show up. It still starts from the top, and it works its way down. You're the one that has to make those business decisions as to who do we want to attract in here, and what are we, what kind of people are we going to get, and who do we have the most amount of fun selling to, whatever the definition of fun is for you, because every day you're going to have to wake up, and you're going to face these clients, and every day is going to seem like Groundhog Day after 20 years. So you have to make those decisions to to bring in that that lifestyle and everything. And like my conversations always veer off from what is <laughs> digital marketing to what kind of lifestyle are you trying to create here? Because business is an extension of that. And I personally think that the more 
people can express themselves through their businesses, the more the world thrives. Even if you have a Chevy <laughs> dealership right across the street from each other, it creates an ambiance. It, we have some fun with it. We learn that, you know, just because you have your opinions, it's not the end of the world. We can have some back and forth. We can have a little fun with it. You know, you can have two teams right across the street having those rivalries together and being able to say, you know what? I absolutely love and adore my ideal market and I'm going to cater to them because it's fun for me. And then I'm going to go shopping afterwards. Right. That's my take on it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, love it all. Uh, yeah. Love all of it. I mean, I think when we, we, you know, you, you open the marketing conversation, it's really Pandora's box. Uh, that, that really is never ending. I think, I think for me, there needs to be that commitment to constantly marketing, taking the actions of marketing and always looking for like slight edge stuff. There's always places to improve. Like there's always bottlenecks and yeah, they're likely at the top. Um, but maybe it's the top of this part of the business or the top of this operational part of the business. So now it's the team you put in those positions. Um, talk about your, like, you know, do you, do you believe that that's a true statement that there's always marketing to do around the marketing? There's always improvement to do around it. There's always marketing to do around the marketing. There is this thing called an evergreen <laughs> program that is the nirvana of, uh, SaaS, I think is where it started when it was, uh, software as a service companies, they would build the software platform and be able to create a campaign for it and and have people come into it constantly and constantly be buying, which is the nirvana of online sales. And we get that. And even in those, there really is no such thing as, um, I think they said, make it and leave it. But it's it's not so much that. It's being able to constantly look out what are the best practices? Where is the market right now? How have things changed? It, and I think, you know, obviously within the last three years, there's been a lot of changes. A lot of the word pivot doesn't become commonplace for no reason. We have to be looking at how things are modifying and ingesting and being able to get people with where they're at. Because it comes back to when something's novel, we all dive into it and go like full bore into the way it is. But then as we get used to it, then we start to go, oh, I think I'll go this way. I think I'll go that way. Some people like to read more. Some people like to watch videos a lot. A lot of people like to watch videos a lot. Some people <laughs> like to go and you know, listen to things and they just want to hear it. They don't want to be distracted by the visuals of it. And then you start to look at, okay, who is our audience? How do they like to? Does this article really translate uh, or does this video really translate into words and article or could we make it a little more oomph over here, right? Being able to bold things where somebody would naturally articulate something more urgently. It's being able mm -hmm. to understand how somebody sees what we do, the way they see it, and what their norms are. So taking, for example, the website, and you're looking at it, it's set up in a certain way. I can look at a website and go, oh, this website was built in the 80s. That website was built in 2000. That website... I know because there were certain ways of doing things that were normal at that time. And as audiences got more familiarized with going online, they started to expect seeing certain things in certain places. 
So there are kind of best practices according to what the audience has done in the past. But then you want to be looking at, you know, where are the trends now and where are they going with this? So to us, uh, marketing is a constant that you have to be looking at, and which is why we tend to partner with our clients, not doing just projects of one-off. So we have a very finite group of clients that we work with intensely to understand um, their strategies, where they're going, help them out with best practices, act as their CMO and their CIO, and being able to help them make complex de- decisions. And I totally understand that if kind of that's not your gamut, that you're going to have to figure out how do you get that bit of information when you're not going to be spending your time, you know, focused solely on marketing campaigns or solely on software or, you know, and you can't. We have, right now we have over a dozen people on our team and they all have their own specialties. They study okay. their field of interest and, and they bring back the tidbits to the team and that's kind of how it has to be. Yeah, yeah. Had a handful of comments. Uh, Chet, uh, somebody uh, used to be a customer of mine way back. Chet, Chet goes back. Chet, good to see you. I know you've Hi, had Chet. some. Uh, uh, I know um, you've had some setbacks from a health standpoint, but I'm glad to see you're on on that road of uh, recovery and getting there. Um, so Chet talks. I mean, and this is this is kind of where we can create all these systems in a vacuum. He talks about giving salespeople. Um, you know, leverage to connect with their customer through the lens of, you know, you may want people in a suit and tie, but they do better on a, he says, a Hawaiian short sleeve. Yeah, I think there's, I think you need to give some deference and some, some, a little bit, um, ability to move within the guide rails, I would say. Um, you know, in my retail business, I, I demand that the bookends be there, meeting our greeting which I dropped a little bit of in the tell me word track. And then we need to ask for the sale. There are a couple other um, definite points in between. But if those two bookends are there and we execute on those bookends, the middle takes care of itself. But again, we understand what those things are in the middle. We clearly have mapped out what those bookends are in our in-person sales process. And, um, yeah, I mean, we've, we've kind of gone, uh, we've always thought it's kind of silly in that business. That's a retail mattress store. We've kind of fought like our competitors wear suits and ties, you know, like my belief on suits and ties is they're for church and funerals. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's kind of a thing. Like in, in this podcast room and that closet over there is where all that stuff exists. And it probably has got an inch of dust on it. Cause I haven't had any of that stuff for quite a while. Um, Thankfully, uh, that, that is funerals, uh, that is. But uh, uh, for me, I think establishing those guide rails, again, it goes back to that identification of your journey, the journey in anything you're going to do. Mm-hmm. So if it's that face-to-face interaction, if it's, you said that evergreen solution in, in, in the SaaS world, you know, that, that, that marketing campaign that you know always works, you've got to have, okay, we understand what the goal is, we understand what the response is, we know to make this thing work, we got to mail this out. We got to make that phone call. We got to send these emails. We got to automate these texts to happen at these days, at these times. Uh, but then what happens in between those points can, can be a little squishy because, you know, we have to, we have to consider in a face to face environment, the human element that we're still going to deal with people. 
And, and when we make people jump into that suit and tie, we might take away a little bit of their human element and they don't like their day so much. Anything like, what do you think of all that? I, I totally agree. And it comes back down to what is culture that you want to create in your company and who is your ideal client and how do you want to approach them? Because clearly Chet's company with somebody in a Hawaiian shirt and somebody else in a suit is going to be a super eclectic business, which is fun and going to have a, I would think a generalized audience so that somebody can come in and go, I want to work with the dude in, in the Hawaiian shirt and that's fantastic. And somebody else might come in and say, okay, he looks very professional. I would like to work with him, which are two totally different um, personality types within a business, which is great. And again, it translates really well in the, in the physical world. When it comes to the online marketing, they're going to be two different strains. So you might have one person monitoring one chat, somebody else monitoring another yeah. chat to be able to address that because those people are likely not only dressing differently, they're articulating their thoughts differently and they're expressing themselves differently to their clientele and their clientele expects yeah. them to do those things differently. And it's just, if you know that, that's fantastic and awesome. It works great. Yeah. I mean, to drive it home to the online world where, you know, you live a little more in and not is what I gather. You know, you, you, you might decide that your chat bot, uh, to get people started, you might decide that your audience, you know, like for me, my kids drive me nuts the way they text me back. You is you, you know, it, it, like half the time it takes me twice the time to read it and understand it. Meanwhile, I'm typing out like an Oxford essay level grammar back at them. But your chat bot, might be the Hawaiian shirt that relates to my kids. Mm -hmm. If that's your avatar, if that's your perfect client. Yep. Whereas if you're, if you're looking to, you know, create a solution and a service to help CPAs transition their business to the next generation, talking to them in a chat box like the kid does where it annoys them like it does me, probably not a good idea. Exactly. So we're going through that process right now where we're um, figuring out kind of how we want to articulate that conversation. And uh, my conclusion, and I'm hoping the team goes <laughs> because, you know, it's going to be my decision in the end anyways, is we're going to use our my dog as our point of contact. And it's like, hey, everybody's out of the office right now, but I'm totally happy to help you with whatever I can. And, uh, you know, if I mess it up, sorry, but, you know, people will be around here in a couple hours. And to me, it was a fun way of saying, this is a bot. <laughs> this, is not mm -hmm. real. this is not a person. There are no people in the office right now. And we will get people to you when the people come. But that's my personality. I totally would put out my dog as our front customer service personnel. Yeah. Some companies wouldn't. And right. my clientele also appreciates that and goes, oh, okay, you're not trying to tell me that your bot is a person. Like they want that authenticity and they don't mind a little bit of fun and, uh, and we can carry on the conversation from there. Yeah. And what, and what's your dog's name? Arlo. Arlo. <laughs> Arlo. I mean, you're going to, I mean, here's the thing about marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is a line out of, uh, out of Mad Men. Um, Draper says to one of the clients at one point, the client's like wowed and impressed. He says, well, you know, this isn't science. We got to try it. We'll know when they spend their money. Exactly. So you'll know you'll know that Arlo the chatbot dog is going to work. You know Arlo works in real life as your dog, but you'll know he'll work in that vacuum of that bot in that moment. You'll know when the emails and the responses and the phone calls come back with what's Arlo up to today. 
right? You'll know that connection was made. And now you'll know you're marketing at a really great level. I've had somebody else commenting, Chris, dear friend, runs a great agency as well, Media Twist Group that does all kinds of cool stuff at the metaverse and, you know, um, like the digital forefront of 2022 into 2023. Um, I mean, here's somebody that takes that whole digital aspect, but makes it real. Uh, I talk about my, you know, my love of Ford, my affinity to Fords, even though their current truck in my driveway is doing everything it can to undo that relationship. I'll move on. Chris had the opportunity to take me to see the current, one of the current Bigfoot truck models and the current driver. And it was just a great experience. And I think you can have so many good things in your business, but if you're not looking for ways to create that connective experience beyond the media you work in, I think you're missing out. Now, you, you, you know, you can't do it with everybody and you can't do it with a $50 a month, you know, bolt on software solution client per se. But you should be again mapping out that journey, especially if you're that person that wants ten, ten thousand dollar a month clients, you know, or year clients, whatever. You know, those people you need to be real important to like eight of them all the time, because otherwise you're only going to keep two, and you'll always be searching for eight. So as we as we look to maybe wrap up our time, um, I don't say maybe we kind of wrap up and. At the top of the hour. And I've loved jamming with you for sure. This has been a great conversation. Um, What are ways that you've kind of created that special experience uh, in your world? Maybe, maybe some of your, some of the things in your business or businesses or, or the clients you work with, some of those special moments of connection. Well, one of the things that our staff loves to do is kind of hop onto the seasons. So we are big into the the Christmas promo right now, which kind of seems silly. Um, so all almost all of our stuff will have snowflakes on it, or Santa Clauses, or Christmas trees, or elves, or you know, baby Jesus, whatever aspect they want to bring into the holidays. Which is kind of funny because some of them aren't even. Like, um, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it's fun. So we we as a company celebrate all holidays uh, regardless of religion because any excuse to celebrate is a good excuse as far as I'm concerned. So right now, yeah, they're putting putting fun stuff in there. And to me, it allows them to bring out their creativity and their spontaneity. It brings an extra, they know how to do the job, but now it gets to be a little bit more fun. And I think that's important because the seasons and the holidays give us almost an excuse every month to do something different and bring some different aspect into it that makes it a little more spontaneous. It makes it a little more their personalization. And to us, we always want to be looking at what strengths do you have that you want to bring into the company? Are you still having fun doing your job? Is there anything, you know, if we have something that's like, hey, we need somebody to do this. Any, does this sound super appealing to anyone? We'll let anybody take on the job, even though we think it might better suit, you know, Tom or Paul. It's who wants to do it and can we have a little fun with it? And and that's how we're bringing it out to the team. And then they bring it out to our audience. And I think our audience sees that, appreciates it, and and it's just a little bit different. It's a little more uh, personalized to them. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, Chris is chiming nice. in. How he Love sells that. memories at MediaTwist.Marketing makes no sense to the bottom line, but we spend money anyway. Um, you know, my mentor... And friend Dan Kennedy, you know, there's there's sentiments there uh, echoing through Chris, so to say, 
uh, from Dan. And, it, and it's like, why wouldn't you do things like that? Especially, uh, especially for clients, customers, patients, whatever you call them in your business. Why wouldn't you do things for that, uh, for them? You know, I, I was lamenting to my wife, uh, I want to continue to create a place where we give out gifts to our customers in the retail business. Yeah. Cause you spend six, eight, 10 grand with us, whatever it is, four grand, 1500 bucks. Doesn't matter. You leave with a sheet of paper, the invoice, or maybe you're, or maybe you're just a paperless person, unlike me, and you're happy to have us email it to you, which we do. Um, so now you leave with nothing. And they got nothing. <laughs> you just gave these guys this money and now it's going to be a week or so till you get your product. Like that's not a good feeling. Mm-hmm. So I've, we've created a, a, a process where we got to get the gifts out. These cost us money. You get to be the giver of gifts. I'm not asking you as the salesperson to chip into the pot for those gifts. I just want you to give them because it means something. The intentionality right. of it is important. All and means How many something. times have you gone to a store or have you bought a thing and it's never about the thing? Right. Even the story of the carburetor wasn't about the carburetor. <laughs> like it was the, right. the experience of being able to buy a carburetor and getting it for yeah, less and being able to pop it on there. I mean, if we can create in, in good marketing, in good marketing copy, you want to have an emotional involvement with that. But if you can create a memory for people, you are taking that up a notch that is epic right. and fantastic. And I think it's a great, um, a great, note to leave people on, especially going into the holidays, is how do you just leave somebody with a little something, something that allows them to go, oh man, I had the greatest thing. It was fun. Yeah. And sometimes it's being spontaneous and just saying that thing that you were thinking. And sometimes it's putting concentrated thought into what can we do for them. It's your personality that comes in. I love it. We're going to end there on a little something, something. Hey. Give your people, give your patients, clients, customers, and your team, don't forget your team this time of year. Give them a little something, something too. Um, cause they, you know, you don't go, you don't go anywhere alone. You go further together. But, uh, Michelle, this has been like a joy. One of, one of the better conversations I've had as of late. Uh, maybe, maybe listeners felt that energy coming through. I hope it went both ways. I hope you enjoyed your time here, Michelle. Uh, it was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Again, you can get Michelle's gift to you, awarenessstrategies.com slash website dash audit. If you're watching, it's a little typed out on screen for you, real easy from our great team at Cast Ahead. If you need anything podcasting, check them out. But um, yeah, this has been great. Uh, show's live now, living on the internet now. It'll hit audio here in a week later. And um, thanks so much for hanging out. Really appreciate your time. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. It was super fun. Yep. And if you want to get a hold of Michelle, I guess I should say, how, where do people just get a hold of you? They they just kind of want to go right to you. How would they get a hold of you? Um, sad as it sounds, Facebook. Okay. <laughs> I'm always on Facebook, links, browser but, messenger. Yep. Um, absolutely. Either my private page or public page or business page where we are always there and I will always get that message. Perfect. And all those links are with the show notes. So uh, if you're driving, don't, don't go scribble anything down. Be safe. They're right in the notes. And if you're looking here online, they're right in the notes of this post. We make it easy to connect with the great people we bring to you. So, Michelle, thank you for helping me to wrap out the year. Yay! Uh, this is where we started on a high note. We ended on a high note. We had great high notes in between. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for being on the show. 
I appreciate you too. Happy holidays. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you as well. All right. We'll see you next time on The Big Ticket Life. Take care. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Big Ticket Life. You've heard from another amazing guest living their own big ticket life. And now it's time to live yours. First, I'd love for you to take me up on my free gift to you. Find your gift at gift.thebigticketlife.live. That's gift.thebigticketlife.live. See, all your life you've been told what is and what is impossible by the loudest voices from the cheapest seats. It's time to finally do life and business on your terms. Sure, you've heard similar things, but without clarity on what can be done, it's easy to have your customers, employees, maybe even partners, and your spouse keep you from truly living a big ticket life. My big ticket method shifts you into that investor seat in your business, away from commodity and away from competition into a market of one so you can finally live your own big ticket life. So my gift to you is for you to book your discovery call today where we'll uncover first the Chivo behaviors, those chief everything officer behaviors that hold you back and why moving into the investor seat in your own business is critical. Two, we'll uncover the premium position that's up for grabs right now in your market that you're missing out on. And three, which big ticket methodologies are just waiting to be dropped into your business to explode your sales and profits. So again, thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love for you to take action right now. Accept this gift. Book your call. Go to gift.thebigticketlife.live. Again, that's gift.thebigticketlife.live.